Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. And this morning, I want to ask you a question. And you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to stand up. I just want you to kind of just ponder this for a moment. Have you ever felt like giving up? Have you ever felt like giving up, like giving in? Maybe it's in your marriage. You just go, I've tried, Pastor Chris, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried, but there's just no way it's going to come back together. I've prayed I've done all, we've done the counseling thing and I just don't see any hope. Maybe it's a dream in your heart that you felt like you needed to give up, that nothing's happened, that God placed in your heart this burden for you to do something, to have this kind of job and you feel like you're stuck in a financial situation and you have to have this job and you have no way out. It seems hopeless. Maybe you wanna give up on your kids. Come on, (laughs) you can't give up your kids, okay? But maybe you have a son or daughter that's been so far gone from the Lord, you're going, where did I go wrong, God? I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I just feel like giving up hope. Maybe it's not your kids. Maybe it's even you're giving up on having kids. For some of you, you've been trying and trying to get pregnant and you've done everything you could, but it seems like nothing is working. For some of you, you want to give up on a sickness that you've had an ailment that has been plaguing you for a very long, long, long season. And everybody keeps telling you it's only a season, but that season sure feels like a long time. And you just keep going. For some, maybe you want to give up because it's, there's an addiction in your life. A cycle that you feel like cannot be broken. You keep going back to the same thing over and over and over again. And you've been asking God time and time and time again. You feel like you're like the apostle Paul that says, I asked three times for God to take it from me. And he said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. But you're going, Pastor Chris, I've asked more than three. I've asked 33 times and nothing has happened. And it feels like you just keep living the same cycle over and over. You feel like giving up for many of you. Listen to me. You just want to give up on life. You look at everything around you. You read too much on Facebook, too much CNN and Fox News. And you just feel like, I feel like giving up in life. You've tried, you've prayed, you've believed, but nothing is coming out. Now, I'm going to ask an honest question. And this time, you can you raise your hand. How many of you have ever been there before? Come on, it's okay. Okay, this is another honest question. How many of you there right now? Right there. You see, we all have those moments where we want to give up where we want to continue on, where we don't want to continue anymore, where we just want to say, God, I've done all I've could. I've taken all the steps and I feel like you're not showing up. I'm discouraged. I'm broken down and I don't know what to do next. Well, today I want you to find courage. My belief is at the end of the today, listen to me this morning, I don't motivate you. 
the Holy Spirit begins to press on things that you don't want. He brings it up and he continues to allow you to go on even when it looks like there's no hope. My prayer for you today is you find courage where you've lost hope. And today I want to read something because it's going to be our focus for today. It's in Hebrews chapter 10. And the writer of Hebrews is encouraging. This whole chapter is about encouraging those in the church that have lost hope. And here's what he says. And this is my prayer for you today. He says this, don't throw away. Don't throw away your confidence. Meaning you've been going, you've been seeking You've been pressing in. Don't throw it away for you will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. Everybody say persevere. Persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised for you. Listen to this. For in just a little while, come on somebody. In just a little while, in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. Perseverance. Listen to me. You might be going, Pastor Chris, I, I don't know if I can go on anymore in this. I'm here today and I'm doing this song and dance, but it just it feels hopeless. Can I just say I get where you're at? But I believe God wants to do something this morning if you allow him. It's called perseverance. Because listen to this. God is rarely early, but I know he's never late. He's rarely early, but he's never late. So we need to persevere. So Pastor Chris, that sounds great, but here's the biggest question. Why do we find it so hard to keep going? Or in other words, why do we feel like giving up when God has promised us so much? Because remember, he says, if you don't give in, there's a promise. There's a blessing right at the end. But why do we feel like giving up when God has promised us so much? Today, I want to look at a, a Bible character, one of my favorite in the Bible. I know it sounds weird. I do have a favorite Bible character, and, and Jesus is number one, <laughs> I have to, right? But this guy is number two. I just love the story. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 5, and he's going to help us today, and we're going to understand what it means to persevere, and we're going to learn some things through him this morning. But it's in 2 Kings chapter 5, and let me set the context for you. In, it comes into this, this story in the fifth chapter of 2 Kings. comes this man named Naaman. Maybe you've heard of him before, if you've been in church before, but his name is Naaman. He's a commander of the army of Aram, and he's, the king of Aram loves him. And this guy is famous because he's won so many battles. And he's almost like the Drew Brees or Tom Brady of the forces right there, right? He's somebody that you go, you know him. Oh, there's Naaman. Look at him. He's bad man. He, all the women want to be with him. All the guys want to look like him and be, be, be like him. And so he is the big dog in the army. And so this guy comes in and he is flashy, big, amazing. There's only one problem. He's had leprosy his whole life. And he's a leper, and you know leprosy back in the day. I'm not a leper expert. Pastor, that's Pastor Jacob for you. But back in the day, it, it was one of those things that nobody wanted to go near. And so think about all this guy had. He had everything, except he couldn't get rid of this problem that was plaguing him. And so he's there, and he's so desperate. He's so desperate. He's at his house, and he has a servant girl. And that servant girl says, hey, you know, I know somebody in Israel that can heal that. And he looked at her like, what? What did you say? 
she said, I, I know somebody who can heal that. His name's Elisha. He's a prophet of the most high God. He can heal that if you just ask him. So all of a sudden he goes, great. And he goes to the king of Abraham. And this is where we pick up in the story today where we hope to find perseverance. Here's what it is. Verse four of second Kings chapter five says this. Now Naaman went to his master and he told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. And the letter that he had took to the king of Israel read this. With this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. I love the king's response. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes, which was a sign of just distress. And he said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me? Verse eight, when Elijah, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent him this message. Listen to this. Why have you torn your robes, king? Have the man come to me and and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger out to him. And he said, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Listen to this. Listen to Naaman's response. This is big. Verse 11. But Naaman went away angry. And he said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Parfar, the, the rivers of Damascus, better than all these waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? And so he turned and went off in a rage. So why do we give up? Number one, two reasons I want to give you. And I want to use this text to do it. Number one, listen to this our perspective is limited. Why do we feel like giving up when God has promised so much? Because our perspective is limited. Naaman had an incurable disease. Something that he could do nothing about. And as he is going there, he begins to get hope a little bit. How many of you have had hope in a situation and then all of a sudden it took a nosedive, right? where you thought it was going to go one way and it went a completely different way. And you're going, really, God? Really? Really? I got this job? Really? I work next to this person? I asked for a Christian and you give me her? You know? It's one of those things you're going, really, God? And when he came up to, to Elisha, Naaman had hope. But when Elisha started speaking, all of a sudden, watch this, Naaman's problem became bigger than God's answer. Naaman's problem became bigger than God's answer. And he looked at it and he said, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that. You see, what happens is, listen to this. When you put your focus on the problem instead of God, watch this, your problem gets bigger and your God gets smaller. We have a limited perspective. And the problem becomes so big that we can't see past it. You see, Naaman decided to focus more on the problem instead of the promise of God. And he became discouraged. Why do we give up? Because we can't see past our problem. What about you? Maybe for you, it's you're, there's so much debt. When you look at your bank account, there's so much credit card bills and debt. You're going, it's a mountain high. There's no way that I can get through this. 
and you're looking at Dave Ramsey, you're looking for Dave Ramsey, and he wants you to do the envelopes with the cash, and you're going, this is just dumb. Why would I do this, right? Well, I, I just, I can't get over this debt, and it just seems so big. Or you get hopeful, and you come to church, listen to this, and, and you're going, we're going we're gonna to be a church-going family. We're, I'm deciding this year we're going to church. And you drive your, your family to church, but the whole way there, you're cussing at everybody because they're not driving right. Your kids aren't acting right. And then you get into church, you're going, I don't even deserve to be here right now. The mountain seems too, too big. You just can't see around the problem because the problem is magnified. And we have limited distance of which we can see and we don't know what it is for some of you your time is is your biggest problem so you want to be a part of the osc family you want to be a part of serving the church and serving god the problem is you see your time as a limitation not as something you can steward for god so you go i'm just not going to serve i'm not going to go to next steps i'm not i'm just going to sit and receive because i feel like that's what god wants me to do you see your problem is magnified way bigger than your god is and we get discouraged. Listen, I understand I've been there. Now, many of you know I have five beautiful children, beautiful kids. But listen, most people don't know that the first few years of our marriage, we tried to have kids and it didn't work. Where we went and we we're saying, okay, we're going to set a five-year plan and all new couples, newlywed couples, they do this, right? You have the perfect plan and you think your life is going to be like a storybook. Like we're, I, you know what you don't want to be. You don't want to be like your family, but you do want to be, you want to be different. And so you go and you set a plan up and everything else and nothing goes according to plan. And me and my wife had a five-year plan. We're going to have kids in five years. We're going to begin to build our family. We're going to be financially, spiritually, and emotionally more mature. We want to make sure we're all those things, and we want to do it for God's glory. Awesome. Three years in, Michelle gets the itch. Hey, I feel like we should start a family. Done. Let's go. Right? It's that easy, isn't it? You can just snap your fingers. And sure enough, month one doesn't work. Two, three, four, six months, a year, two years in, we still can't have children. And it just felt like we're watching MTV 16 and pregnant and we're looking at each other going, really? Really? Really, God? And you get so discouraged. And I saw my wife in an instant lose so much hope because her thought was, I'll never be a mom. God had put a dream in my heart that I was gonna be a mom one day. And now it's gone. And she lost hope. Why? Look at me. Because our perspective is limited because our problem was so big, we made God so small. There's no way it'll happen. And we were trying and trying and trying and trying. You see, I can speak of it now, listen to me, because I know five kids are on the other side of it. <laughs> because God gives immeasurably more than you ask or imagine. But listen, then I didn't know when you're in the situation, you don't know. But God knew the ending, I didn't. You see, God knew the ending to Naaman's story. He knew that he would go and he would be cleansed and he would be healed. And if you're familiar with the Bible, that's exactly what happened. But when you're in the situation, how many know it gets desperate and bleak when you can't see past the problem? You see, when you can't see past the problem, 
You begin to magnify that and you go, God, you're not bigger than my problem. So what happens is we give up because my perspective is limited. The second reason I believe that we give up is this. It's not just our perspective is limited, but our progress isn't always obvious. I want you to think back for a second. The story of Elijah. Here comes Naaman. And he becomes walking up with pomp and circumstance up to Elijah's house. And he pulls up in his chariot. And they roll out the red carpet for him. He knocks on the door. And a little boy just answers. <laughs> That's like Drew Brees coming to your house. And you're like, hey, just somebody go get the door. Send the dog to get the door, right? No one would do that. And so he felt offended. Watch this. He felt offended that somebody didn't come out and, do, and treat him like he deserved to be treated. How many times does your offense limit what God wants to do? How many times does your offense, all of a sudden, your offense just goes, my expectations, uh, this isn't going like I thought it was going to go, God. They should not treat me like that. And that's what Naaman thought. But then he comes out, his servant doesn't just come out. He comes out and he goes, yeah, if you want to be cleansed and healed, he's probably stuttering, if, 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 you, if you, you know, if you want to be cleansed, just, he said, go dip in the river seven times. And Naaman's going, really? I thought for sure you were going to send just fire of heaven down. You were going to wave your hand over this spot. And all of a sudden, expelli trauma, right? It's like, it's not Harry Potter. Like, what is he going to do? But see, Naaman was so confused. He didn't see progress because he was all about the process. He thought, it's not going the way I expected. Therefore, God must not be in this. Listen, how many times have we done that? Where we thought that God, oh God, you didn't want it this way. This is not what I expected it to be. And we get offended by God because he tells us to do something very simple. Watch this, so that he can get the glory and we don't. You see, he told Naaman to do something very simple because why? God wanted to get the glory. Not the water, not how many times you've dipped in it, not what you do or what you say, listen to me, but all God's glory, he deserves it. He deserves it. He deserves it. And so our progress, we begin to go, well, that's, that's not God. Now, in a couple months, we're going to be coming around to the new year. And many of you, listen to me, many of you will make New Year's resolutions to get healthy, right? I'm going to get fit. This year is going to be different than 2021. I'm going to get fit and trim. I'm going to lose these love handles. I'm a, whatever your spot is. And, and you're going to go, I'm going to do that. And, and you know, what's really funny is you get in there and you work hard that first week and you're sore and you love it. And you're like, oh, you're eating well. And you're watching what you're eating and you weighed on Monday. And the next Monday you're like, I'm going to weigh again. And you step on that scale. You've worked so hard and you gained a pound, <sighs> right? How many of you get so discouraged when you see that? Am I the only one, right? You're like, why not? Why, why isn't this working? Listen, we can handle the process as long as we see the progress. The problem is when we see one pound gained after all this hard work, we just go, I guess it's not working for me. 
It works for Jimmy. It works for Susie. It works for Bob. It's not working for me. And we give up. Because human nature is we want to see the progress. And when you see the progress, you can endure the pain. Once you see the progress, you can endure the pain. But what happens, listen to this, when you don't see the progress, what happens when it isn't obvious? I see this all the time with new believers. It's so unique. I see it all the time with new believers. Because what happens is we preach you're a new creation in Christ. That if you're a born-again believer, you're a child of God. You're different. You're changing. You're going, yes, I am. I believe it. Yeah. You have this emotional response. And all of a sudden, this encounter with God. And you are changed. The problem is when you walk away, watch this, you don't feel changed. And so what happens is you don't see the progress, so you end up giving up. It isn't obvious. Why? Because God wants to change you from the inside out. He doesn't just want to change your behavior. He wants to change your life but we get distracted and discouraged. And Naaman was in that spot. Listen to me. Because he was told to go dip in the Jordan River seven times. And he goes, that river? That's not even as good as the Vermilion River at all. I mean, that's a little creek. That's like, that's like, that's like nothing. I mean, that, are you serious? This is a canal. This is a dirty canal. And he got discouraged. He got distracted by what he had to do instead of the God that wanted to do it through him. And so the story goes that Naaman gets in the water. Finally, he has a servant that says, you know what? You need to go do it because it's very simple. And so Naaman, at the end of the story, goes, fine, I'll go get in the water. And so I don't know what a dip was. I don't know if a dip was like he splashed, he, com- he had to do seven cannonballs in, or if he had to dive seven times, or if it was like a slow dip. Like, I don't know. But he had to do something, right? He had to, like the dip was, I don't know if he was like just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. But regardless, he had to dip seven times, okay? And it was just, but watch this. What if, what if he would have stopped at dip number five? Because the seventh dip was the one that hurt him. I mean, the one that healed him. So watch this. So he's dipping one, two, this is my dip. This is the way I would do it. Three. Right? Four. And I, I, if I'm him, all my, all my friends are around me. I'm like the cool guy. Everybody wants to look up to me. And I dip five times and I'm going, I feel so silly right now. This guy's telling me to dip in this river and I'm dipping. And everybody's like watching it, you know. And I just feel so silly. And what if he would have just said, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And he walked away. What if he stopped at dip four? Because nothing happened after dip four. Nothing happened after dip five. Watch this. Nothing happened after dip six. What if he stopped at six? What if he stopped and said, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't believe it. I don't receive it. I don't see the progress in it. Nothing is changing in me at this time. You and I have been there where we've prayed, we've labored, we've done all the right things and you're going, God, why aren't you answering my prayers? Because watch this, you might be on dip six. It might not be your time yet, but it's coming. But it's coming. And here's why. Watch this. God usually wants to do something in you before he does something for you. I'm gonna say that again. 
God usually wants to do something in you before he wants to do something for you. Why? Because he wants to know you can handle what he's about to give you. Naaman couldn't handle it. He would have been prideful. So he had to be lowered down, sent a messenger to give him the healing message. And then not only that, he had to go dip in a river he didn't want to dip in. Why? It wasn't about the river and it wasn't about the amount of times. It was about God humbling him to say, now you know I am God and you're not God. You can handle it now. And sure enough, he came out that seventh time. This is my dip. Dip. He came out seventh time. And the Bible says his skin was as smooth as a baby's skin. So watch this. That means he had no wrinkles. (laughs) He had no scars. His skin was smooth. It was better than when he even started. It was better. Why? Because he just kept going. He didn't do anything magical. He didn't do anything impressive. He just kept going. Listen to me. Are you willing? Are you willing to allow God to do something in you so he can do something for you? In order to do that, we have to keep going and persevere. Well, Pastor Chris, how do I do that? How do I keep going? I'm going to give you three quick things. We're going to close in the next five minutes. Three quick things. All of them are found in Hebrews chapter 10. And I love it because it's encouraging to us this morning. How do we keep going? The first one is this, write this down. In order to keep going, you have to remember who you have access to through Jesus. Here's what Hebrews 10 says. It says this, and so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly, remember he's encouraging them. We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. And by his death, Jesus opened a new life, life-giving way through the curtain, the way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Watch this. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with the Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Listen, this is so great. You have access to the king. The question is, are you using it? Naaman had access when he received that encouraging word that I can go do this. And so he went right to his king and he said, King, I need a letter. There's someone there in that other country that has what I need. And he went right into him boldly. Listen to me. If you're a born again child of God, you have access to the most high God. You have access to the father through Jesus, not because you're good enough or I'm good enough, but because Jesus cleansed us of our sins and allows us to come into those holy place to get the presence of God, to get the presence of God. We need to remember who we have access to. How many of fathers do we have in the house? Raise your hand, dads. Yeah. How many of you would love and open the door to your kids, say, you can come talk to me about anything, anytime you want? Anytime. Why? Because that's what a good father does. But dad, I'm not good enough. You don't have to be good enough. I just want you to come to me. You have access to me. 
in order for us to keep going, we have to remember we have access to the King. You listen, I love you. And I, Pastor Jacob and I, we are so honored, listen to me, our pastoral team, to be your pastors. It is a joy. But look at me right now. You have just as much access to God as I do. What do you mean? You're standing up on a platform and delivering God's word to us. That doesn't make me high and lifted up like I'm closer to God. We all access the most holy place through the same way, through the blood of Jesus. So that's why we can call each other brothers and sisters because it's not like, well, I'm like the fun uncle of you. No, no, no. And I love blessing your houses and blessing your businesses and I will bless anything you want me to. But listen to me, you can lay your hands right on that thing and go, I bless it in the name of Jesus as well. Because you have access to the king and it keeps us going when you remember who you have access to. Because when you step into the presence of God, watch this, he tells you exactly who you are. You're a child of the most high God power of the Holy Spirit is in you and you can keep going. Remember who you have access to. Number two, we don't just need to remember, we need to renew. We need to renew ourselves by assembling together. I loved being in here yesterday morning with 115 men and literally standing up, Don Mendoza's over there and he's saying, we need each other, don't we? All the men are like, yeah. (laughs) We do, we need each other. That's why the Bible continues to say, and the writers of Hebrews says right afterwards, he says, let us think of ways to motivate or spur on one another to acts of love and good works. Let's continue to help one another. Watch this. And do not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. Let me set the context of what they're talking about. Because many of us in the pandemic said, see, this is why church should be open. Don't forsake the the assembly of believers. Listen to me. They were discouraged because they believed that Jesus wasn't coming back. I don't know anybody here that's like, Jesus is not coming back. I don't know what to do. He's coming back. And the writer was going, I want you to be encouraged and don't lose heart. So when you gather together and not in a church service, when you gather together in a small house, there might only have been a few of them at a time. There might only, listen to me, there might have been multiple houses they gathered in with just a few at a time. But they did, what they did every time was encourage one another. That's why we tell you to get in the small groups. That's why we ask you to serve here. Not because we need the help but because you need to get connected to people who can encourage you and renew you to spur you on to good deeds and to love. Because we need, all need to be renewed when we get discouraged. And number three, here's where we close this morning. We need to remain focused on and attached to the promises of God. We need to remember who we have access to. We need to renew ourselves by being together and we need to remain focused on and attached to the promises of God. Here's how the writer of Hebrews closes it. He says, so let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God, listen to this, can be trusted to keep his what? His promise. Listen, look at me. 
I just want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what your mom did to you. I'm sorry your dad was never there to say, I'm proud of you. I'm sorry for the friend that said that I'll always be there for you. And in that time, in that moment, he wasn't there for you when you needed him. I'm sorry that that coworker who you trusted with that information went and spread it everywhere. Listen to me. If they don't say it, I'm saying it. I'm sorry. But don't you dare put man's ways on God because he will keep his promises even when everybody else doesn't. He can be trusted. So we hold fast. Listen to me. We hold fast to the word of God. We hold fast to his promises that they are good, that they are yes and amen, that he'll love me, that he wants nothing but good, great, and amazing things for my life, no matter how it seems. And too many of us, Pastor Jacob said this to me the other day, too many of us are talking with Satan when you need to talk back to Satan. You're, guess what? Eve spoke with Satan too. How did that work out? Some of y'all are speaking with the enemy. You need to talk back to him and you need to do what Jesus said. The word says that I'm a born again child of God, that nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. So I don't know what you're telling me. You need to talk back. Talk back. It's his promises for us. Why, Pastor Chris? Listen to me. Look at me. Because you're closer than you think. closer than you think. In 1952, an American swimmer by the name of Florence Chadwick, who had, was a famous swimmer, and she loved swimming the English Channel, doing these long-distance swims. And in 1952, she wanted to swim from the Catalina Islands to the California coast. It's 26 miles of swimming. It's a lot of swimming. And she was dedicated to it. And so her mom got in a little boat and was encouraging her the whole way through and following her. And so she started swimming and swimming and swimming and swimming. 15 hours into the swim. Listen to this. 15 hours. Fog set in. She lost all bearings of where she was, how far away she was. Watch this. Her perspective was limited and her progress wasn't obvious. (laughs) So what did she do? She wanted to give up. She wanted to give up. And her mom kept encouraging her in that small boat. And she said, you can do it. You can do it. Just keep swimming. Keep going. You can do it. But the fog was so heavy that she decided to give up. 15 hours into the swim, she called it quits. She hopped in the boat. Well, as they kept going for the next couple of minutes, the fog began to clear. And she gasped when she saw the crowd sitting at the end of the dock where she was less than one mile away from finishing. Listen to me. You're closer than you think. Some of you are in dip number four and you have a few more to go. Some of you are in dip number five. Listen to me. I believe a lot of you are in dip number six. God's about to break through. But if you don't give up, the Bible says it very clear. 
Here's what he says in Galatians chapter six. It says, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you do not give up. Pastor Jacob says this all the time. The only way we fail is if we quit. So I just believe today is just a time of encouragement for you. You're on dip number six and you're wanting to stop and you're going, I don't see how I'm going to be healed. I don't see how the relationship's going to be mended. I don't understand how God can do this. And you're just, you just keep, I'm not going to get a job. I don't know. And you are so discouraged. You're on dip number six. Keep going. Don't you dare give up. Don't you dare stop believing in God and what the promises that he has for you. Because it's right there. You are closer than you think. Some of you this morning, you might be going, Pastor Chris, that's awesome. But I'm just so tired right now. You're going to go, I have no strength left. I understand. I can understand how discouraged you might be. But God always has an answer for that. Always. And Isaiah says it very clearly. He says, but for those who wait on the Lord, (laughs) those who wait on the Lord, it's not sitting down, it's not resting and relaxing, it's expecting, it's being hopeful, it's knowing God is going to move, it's understanding he has a promise and he has a purpose. I will wait on the Lord to move. It said, if you wait, you won't just get the old strength, you're about to find new strength. It's not saying, guess what? The season you had in the past where you had strength won't take you to the future. You got to find new strength. And that new strength, it won't just be strength to get through. It said, now I'm going to give you power to get over. But what do we have to do? Just wait on the Lord. It sounds so simple, so hard to do. But yet it's so powerful. So this morning, I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for those that are tired right now, that are hurting, that are just discouraged. You feel outcasted, disregarded, feel like God's not listening to you. He knows how many hairs on your head, even if it's a very small number. Trust me. He knows it. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over our congregation right now, the people sitting in this room, even the people that are either listening on a podcast or watching online or even in our prisons right now, God that they feel discouraged, that they feel hopeless, that they feel like the mountain in front of them is too high to climb. That is the truth. But God, you say in your word, our faith can move mountains. So I pray in the name of Jesus right now for those that need strength. And in here right now, if you go, Pastor Chris, I I need strength right now. Would you raise both hands for me? I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray for you. If you're online right now, you can raise your hand right where you are. If you're in the prison, you can raise your hand. I'm going to pray over you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, all those hands that are raised right now, those hands that are lifted up, I pray in the name of Jesus, renew their strength, God. We are waiting on you. We're not waiting on you to move. We're expectant of what you're going to do. We stand upon your promises, God. We renew ourselves in your word and in your ways. And we understand that it's not our timing. It is your timing, God. So I pray you give us strength and power in the name of Jesus to keep going, God. We will not give up. We will find strength through you, God. In Jesus' name, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed this morning, 
I want to ask you the most important question. Have you been born again? You know what I love about Jesus? Is that he never gave up on us because he knew what he was doing on the cross. He endured the cross, the Bible says, because he was thinking of us. So right now, right where you are, you might be going, well, I've never been born again, Pastor Chris. What do I need to do? It's as simple as A, B, C. A, we just admit that we're sinners in need of a savior. B, believe that what Jesus did on the cross was enough to cover our past, present, and future sins. And C, we confess him as savior and as Lord of our lives. And the great part about being born into the family of God is it only happens once. Just like you have a physical birthday where you're born once, you have a spiritual birthday where you were born one time. This is not about baptism or christened or where you go to church or if you're Protestant or Catholic or whatever it is. This is about you being born again, beginning a relationship with God. And it just takes a commitment, a decision to say, yes, I want to be born again. If that's you in here, I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. It's not the prayer that makes you born again or saves you. It is by faith, the Bible says. It is your belief. It is by faith that you are born again and that you believe. So I want to offer that to everybody in here. If you've never been born again, this is your opportunity. With all heads bowed, all eyes closed, I don't want you to care who's around you, what they might think or say. This is between you and God. This is not just about getting to heaven. It's about experiencing heaven here on earth. He wants to walk with you. Will you walk with him? It's time to be born again. On the count of three, if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand high. One, God is calling you here. Two, he has a purpose for your life. It's not an accident that you're here this morning. And he's ready to take the step if you are. Three, I want you to lift your hands now. Pastor Chris, include me in that born again prayer. If that's you, lift your hand high. I can see it. One, awesome. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Awesome. Nine, ten. Wonderful. You can put your hands down. One more opportunity. If you raise it once, you don't have to raise it again. But if you want to join those hands that were raised and say, I want to be born again today, I want you to raise your hand now. Anyone else? I see you. Eleven. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, church, with all those hands that are raised, we're going to pray this prayer together as we welcome him into our spiritual family. Repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me, so I would not have to go. And you rose on the third day to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, in a relationship with your father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Say this with me. God is my father. Jesus is my savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name.